Hey, what's up, everybody? Excited for this week's episode with Christy Roach. Christy leads self-service product marketing at Airtable. I think all of our jobs one day, probably very soon, are gonna be a lot more like Christy's job. So don't miss this one. She's great. She went really, really deep on everything, PLG and self-serve, super interesting stuff. Also, Christy is hiring. We talk about it in the episode and we'll include the details in the show notes. So check those out. Not to steal Christy's thunder, but I'm hiring too. I am excited to share. I'm looking for a PMM to join my team at Pendo. This is more of a junior hire and this person needs to be in New York, San Francisco, or in beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina. But if you believe that product-led companies win, which you will after listening to this episode, and want to make that future a reality and really shape and win a new category, I need your help. So check it out. We've got a really, really, really strong marketing team also a product team. The company's awesome. It's grown like crazy. Um, they're onto something big. Check it out. Go to pendo.io, go to the careers page, find the product marketing thing. I post about it on LinkedIn. If you don't find it any of those places, just message me. This podcast is a partnership with Sharebird. Sharebird.com is a peer mentoring platform for product marketers. There are great resources at sharebird.com, a job board, AMAs. It's an awesome site. Check it out. If you have any feedback on the podcast in general, things you like, things you don't like, email us or shoot me a message. You can email us at podcast at sharebird.com or just connect with me on LinkedIn and shoot me a DM. We love hearing from you guys. Shout out to our sponsor, Crayon. If you aren't familiar with it, Crayon is an awesome tool for PMMs. Crayon analyzes market trends for you, makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated sales battle cards, alerts, dashboards, much more. Crayon is an awesome tool for marketers looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales win rates, catch important updates from competitors, and much more. Check them out at crayon.co. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Product Marketing Experts, brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we're diving deep into self-service and product-led go-to-market models. More and more companies are figuring out that people are hungry for different types of go-to-markets. One that many customers love that is often really, really good for business is a product-led self-service approach. In this model, companies have a far smaller sales and service team, if at all, potentially. And instead, the product does a lot of the work that those teams might. Onboarding customers, educating customers, moving them down the funnel. Many customers really, really love this. Today, people are super savvy. Their ability to learn a new tool uh, and put it to work is incredible. And they just want to get right into the product. They want to do this stuff themselves. Self-service is a trend that I think is really, really interesting for the customer experience and for businesses, and you can make it work with your sales and service team. So you're seeing more companies add it and figure this out along with product-led growth. This is super cool, right? Right? I think it is. Well, what's the role of marketing and product marketing at these companies? Is there one? Is it, how is the job different? Is your focus and goals different? Is this way easier? Is this harder? Do I want to do this? What if my company starts to go product-led and self-service? Is this something that we need to figure out? This is all really new, and I think it's really, really important to get some product marketing experts to help us out. So Christy Roach is the product marketing lead for self-service at Airtable, a really, really cool low-code, no-code company that's growing like crazy. Super excited to chat with her today about self-service and product-led growth. Christy, how's it going? It's great. It's great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So you work with one of my favorite people who I worked with at HubSpot for a long time, Al Badricki. Is that right? That's true. Do you have any dirt? 
<laughs> good, good setup. You have to ask Al about this because Al got his job at HubSpot through a viral music video. He played, he came up with this song called Hire Me. And there's a mm. video of him on the acoustic guitar, like jamming out this song called Hire Me in like 2010 or something. I don't know when it is. And then HubSpot hired him. And it's like my favorite thing. I'm sure Al is going to be super embarrassed by it, but uh, you can share it with the whole product marketing team. I'll send you the link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my like main takeaway from this is I'm going to need that link. I'm going to start <laughs> in our private product marketing Slack channel, but I in no way commit to not sharing that publicly in a more pu public selection. That is slightly evil, Christy. I like it. Yeah. I love it. And then you go from there. <laughs> awesome. Well, Al's great. I'm a huge fan of Airtable. It's a really, really interesting company and I've seen it do amazing things, but how'd you make your way to Airtable? How did you get into product marketing in the first place? I'd love to learn a little bit more. Yeah, getting into product marketing, I'm one of those people that just kind of fell into a great job for them really early, which is like not fair and also very lucky. I always knew I wanted to go into marketing, mostly because I have a sister who's nine years older than I am and she went into marketing and I thought she was like the coolest person ever. And I was like, I just want to do what she does. I'm also very extroverted and talkative. And I was like, oh, this, this, she seems to have figured that out. So, you know, in college, I took a ton of marketing internships and that set me up pretty well. My first job out of college was doing social media for a telecom company, was not very good at that. But then after about six months, I got the opportunity to join a company called Demand Force. It was owned by Intuit at the time. They had just been acquired. They have since in the last decade they're no longer part of Intuit, but I started in partner marketing, which is pretty similar to product marketing. It's kind of product marketing through a partner channel and got to kind of get my feet under me in terms of what that looked like and how do you describe a product and what do partnerships look like. But from there, knew that the thing that made me most excited was talking about evangelizing and really helping users understand the value of a product. So from Intuit, I was in the first like 60 employees at what's now known as Gusto at the time was Zen Payroll, very small at the time, now very successful startup. I'm super proud to have been part of it. And then from there, I've just taken a few different product marketing jobs. This really is kind of my ideal setup. You're very collaborative. You get to work with a ton of different people. You get to work with both the technical side of the business and working with product and engineering teams and also working with customer facing teams as well as customers itself, especially on the self-serve side. One of the best parts of my job is that I get to interface directly with the people who are building kind of amazing things in the tool. So my growth into product marketing mostly came by figuring out the things that gave me energy, the things that I was good at, and also the things that I would need to do to like be able to keep doing that as a job and then being really open to what came my way. I don't think career growth happens because you set a very specific course. I think career growth happens because you work on yourself and you're open to the opportunities that are going to help you learn. Of that. Yeah. I was just um, in my last episode and it, it's just like a similar journey for me where product marketing, I was kind of, I was doing these things that I really like to do. And I'm like, is this a job? Can I, can I just do this <laughs> all the time? And then it turned out to be product marketing and I'm like, all right, this is perfect. And I was just talking to, um, my last guest and she was saying the same thing where it's like, you know, super similar where it's like, what are these things I'd like to do? Can I lean into that and use this strength to like have a career? So mm -hmm. really yeah, interesting. So I got lucky specifically how I came to Airtable was actually, I did a reference call 
someone that I used to work with was interviewing to be head of content at Airtable and listed me as a reference. And I had another director of product marketing job at the time, but talked all about how much I loved Margaret to uh, Archana, my, now our CMO at Airtable, now my boss. And at the end of our call, she said, hey, you know, thank you so much for this reference call. I'd also like to talk to you about a job. So, you know, opportunities come everywhere. You just got to be open to them. That's so cool. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's a sneaky, smart way to find a, a candidate pipeline. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the uh, reference call. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Excited for you. And Airtable seems like a very cool company. I want to talk about pro- like product-led. And I mean, I, I probably butchered it a little mm-hmm. bit in the intro, but like product-led and self-service, this bottoms-up approach to growth and adoption, that's kind of what you're focused on. But can we just start big? Can you just kind of, can you unpack that for me? Tell me what that means from your perspective and how does that work at Airtable, especially your self-service side of the business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will start very broad in saying the way you know if a company has a self-serve motion is if you can sign up and use the product without having to talk to anyone. So um, a product-led company, a self, a company that has a self-serve motion is one that lets you you know, discover, try and use the tool without any human interaction to like kind of kickstart you. So in a lot of ways, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, that's such a good, that's such better positioning than products led, like self-serve as like a message to customers is just way better. Like products led is just kind of like lingo, but really, you know, you're just talking about like self-serve and it's just a way better way to kind of position what you just said is just a way better position, way to position it to customers. I think. That's all. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I've done self-serve so for a long time, so it's good to know I have a couple things down now. I think that the other thing that helps in describing it that way is sometimes when you hear product-led, you think like, oh, the product team is the most important team in a company. Like that's yeah. kind of the first thing I thought when I heard it. And hmm. yes, if you are a product-led company, your product team also is setting a lot of your vision, but uh, product-led growth the contrast to it is market or sales-led growth. And basically what that means is what is a user's first interaction for a product-led growth company? The first interaction is with the product for a sales-led growth company. The first interaction is with the salesperson. And so what we see at Airtable is that, you know, while we are growing in enterprise companies, we do have a sales motion. We are not all self-serve. We are a product, the way that I like to describe it is that is both bought and sold someone can sign up and buy it like you would shopping online, but we are also sold to larger companies via uh, our very talented sales team. So while there is a pretty healthy mix of the two, the vast majority of our customers start and self-serve. What we want is our product and the value we provide to be the thing that kind of hooks people. We don't want to have it be that, you know, they talked to a salesperson, they got a great pitch and that's why they chose. We really want the product to be able to speak for itself. And so what that means is, There's a lot more kind of partnership across the go-to-market teams and product teams to figure out how do we acquire and activate and convert customers. Whereas a lot of times, you know, at at more kind of sales-led growth companies, the product team is like, that's on you, you know, get them in and then we'll give them a good product. Here, it's much more collaborative to say, how do we all get people in and, you know, create a great product experience for them. But the other is that really the product must be built in a way that shows value much more quickly and that fosters, you know, expansion of the tool. Most product-led companies or, or most that I've worked at, I will say, I don't think that this is the only way to be product-led, but they usually charge by like a seat 
metric. So per user pricing is pretty normal for product-led growth companies, which means that the, the success of the product depends on how many people want to use it. And people are only going to want to use the tool if they find value from it and they do so quickly. So that's kind of how I think about self-service models and product-led growth companies. Eventually, the, the dream is if you have, you know, both this self-serve bottoms up and tops down motion, you grow these bottoms up customers, these customers who started with a very small team into huge sales opportunities and huge enterprises that are using your company. So we see some of our largest, you know, million dollar plus contracts started with one small team signing up in a self-serve motion. So one of the other things that I do think is that a lot of people think self-serve is only for small businesses. And that's a big part of it. We have consultants, we have very small companies that use Airtable, but also self-serve is a great way to get your foot in the door to really big companies by making that barrier to entry really low. Yeah, 100%. I think you hit a lot of really interesting things in there, <laughs> but I do think that point around uh, self-serve or product-led for Enterprise 100% works. I mean, you see it with Slack and Zoom and everybody mm -hmm. else. But when you have more people who have experienced the, the the marketing, sure, but really the product makes that sale easier, makes uh, you know adoption easier, makes it more sticky. So, love that. Mm -hmm. Is that that's one big benefit? You've done both. You've worked at companies that are more B two B SaaS enterprise, right? Where it's more sales led. Any other benefits you see for like? How much of a trend is this? Any other big benefits you see for the business or for customers in this model? Yeah, I think the thing about having a self-serve business, you cannot hide anything in your product in terms of bad experiences or clunky yeah. experiences. They have to be built for a really seamless user experience, especially a first experience. But things need to feel streamlined and clear and, and not always easy. I always say Airtable is actually not an easy product. We're an easy database, but for people who haven't used databases before, that, that's not necessarily easy, but we all are clear and we are helpful and we help you know what to do. And so while it's not, you know, the easiest product you've ever used, it is a helpful product and you know how to use it. And I think, you know, in product-led growth, there is a push for the internal team to make sure that experience is great. And for the customer, that benefit is there because no one wants to look at a tool. And I think we've all had this experience where you sign up for something or you get dropped into something and you're like, where am I? And what am I supposed to do right now? And so yeah. I think, you know, consumers now with how easy a lot of these companies you've already called out, Slack and Zoom, et cetera, are to use, that's what they expect now with any software. And I know I'm this way and I know a lot of people are this way where you don't really want to, I don't want to talk to, to on the phone ever. I hate talking on the phone. I don't want to have to get on a sales call to try something new. Often, if I see that, it will make me say, okay, let me go look for another tool that I could test out on my own. And so, you know, consumers are looking for that ease where they can figure out if this is the right tool for them before they have a conversation with the salesperson. And so that I think is the big difference of just like making that experience better for the customer and pushing product and design teams to create really seamless experiences, no matter if you're operating in the enterprise or for small businesses or at a B2C company. 100%. There's again, a lot in there, but I mean, these, these trends that you're talking about, I 100% agree. I mean, yeah, Airtable is not like, it can be a little bit overwhelming if I'll go into something that a, like a PM has created. There's a lot of information in it. It's this big mm -hmm. database tool and there's all this stuff happening, but 
it all is nice to look at. It feels familiar. I'm guided, you know, through the different parts of it. It's a very, it's like, it's a good experience overall. And it's like fun to use. It's like, that's, I think the hallmark of some of these companies is that like, it's kind of interesting to dive in there and like figure mm-hmm. this stuff out and learn it. And like, that's this consumerization of software. You know, I think you, you talked about, you're, you're talking about that where people expect tools that are easy to understand, fun to use, easy to learn. And then you're also talking about like, yeah, this, this move towards self-service. I think people, especially for support, like the first thing you do if you need help with just about anything is that you Google it and you try to figure it out yourself. You don't want to have to like jump on the phone and wait on hold or whatever, talk to a human, like what you don't want to do any of that. And those are big changes that I think smart software companies are figuring out. So back to my initial question, I mean, I think all these trends are super important. Let me ask you a contextual question. So what does the marketing team look like? You know, you're, you're in product marketing. What are the other marketing teams look like? What's the overall makeup of the marketing work at Airtable look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I'll say, this was actually one of, this might seem counterintuitive, but one of the selling points for me in joining Airtable is that marketing is fairly new. The reason that's a selling point is for a company to have gotten this much traction in the market without a dedicated marketing team tells me there's something really interesting there in the product. We have had folks at Airtable. We have two, especially really great marketers on the team who've been here for five years. So it is, it would be wrong for me to say we haven't had marketing. What we didn't have until 2020 was a dedicated marketing team. So uh, a lot of marketing is nascent at Airtable, but what it looks like today. So we have what, what I think of as kind of a non-traditional PMM team. And the fact that there is no head of PMM, I lead self-serve PMM. And then I have a counterpart who leads enterprise and platform PMM. And we both report up into our CMO. So there is not like one unified product marketing team. There are two teams. We then have a content marketing team, an education team, uh, a community and customer um, effort, as well as comms. Uh, comms heads up customer marketing and just traditional PRAR. We then have a performance marketing paid is a really big part of a self-serve business. So performance marketing, as well as like organic and SEO are big for us. And then our brand design team reports into marketing. So design, it's often kind of one way or the other in terms of where they sit. I've worked at companies where all design rolls up into head of design, who is a product on the product team. What we have instead is a creative director and our brand design and web developers roll up into him and he reports up into our CMO. All told, I should know the answer to this off the top of my head, uh, but I do not. So apologies. I think our marketing team is around between 25 and 30. And then our PMM team specifically, my team will be four, including myself, I got one open head. And then the enterprise and platform team is also four right now. Nice. Okay. Super helpful. Very interesting. So tell me about your side of the house then self-serve product marketing. What are you like, what are, what are you focused on? What are your big initiatives? How are you measuring the impact of those? Yeah. What do I do? It's funny. I feel like I've uh, explained this quite a bit to folks. I when just trying to explain what self-serve product marketing does. And so we'll see if I've gotten good at it. So <laughs> there are kind of three main areas that I think about when I think about self-serve. And this is how I staff my team as well. I am responsible for acquiring customers, for activating them, and then for converting and kind of expanding them. I put conversion expansion in one bucket, which is a little bit of a cheat, but I have three headcount and then I have one for each of those. So on the acquisition side, Airtable is a very horizontal product. When I interviewed with our CEO, 
and I asked him, you know, Hey, Howie, like Airtable, it's so much. How do you explain it in one sentence? What is mm -hmm. it? And his answer was, it depends on who you are, what you need to do and how you plan on using the tool, which is like awesome from a total addressable market perspective. It's kind of a product <laughs> marketer's worst nightmare because like, yes. how do you create messaging and positioning for a tool that can really do anything? That's a fun, terrifying challenge. So <laughs> on the acquisition side, product marketing is asked to define like what audiences should we go after? If anyone can use this tool, who should use this tool? We don't have personas the same way you would if you were selling you know, a marketing automation, like email software, then there's like some real key players for you. Or when I was at Envoy, my last company, uh, we were really working in the physical workplace. There are a, a couple kind of key roles you talk to at Airtable that doesn't exist. So uh, it's on my team to figure out one, just some like who are the people who are successful with Airtable, both in terms of usage, but then also in terms of like their titles and their roles and where they sit in a company. A lot of work on audiences and segmentation. You can segment a horizontal product in any way you want. The way that Airtable is doing it and many collaborative work tools do it is based on function. We are all, I am on, you are all listening to a product marketing podcast. That's because that at my core, I see myself as a marketer. I don't see myself as B2B. I don't see myself as a tech worker. I see myself as a marketer. And I am just as interested in what Nike is doing on the marketing front as I am to what another B2B tool is doing on the marketing front. And we've seen that across the board. So we segment based on function. Our acquisition team spends a lot of time thinking about um, how do we target those functions? What use cases do we really highlight there, et cetera? The way that that is kind of gold and measured is based on like just sheer top of funnel signups, how many corporate domains. So people who actually work at a company, not like their personal email are signing up for Airtable week over week, month over month, et cetera. So do you have, are you working with like partners to, do you have the levers to acquire those? Is that something do you work with the ads team to like pull those people in based on your audience insights? Or do you have your own acquisition levers? Oh, such a good question. I do not own like any channel whatsoever. Uh, yeah. So, you know, drive the strategy, don't own the channel. My key partners there are our performance marketing team focused on like SEM, some display advertising, as well as maybe some forays into ABM, but then also our organic team as we think about SEO, et cetera. And then like other ways that you can acquire, but those are kind of the key partners there. I spend a lot of time with our performance marketing team. The second area of focus is activation. Some companies call this adoption. We call it activation. They all mean the same thing. Once you bring somebody in, are people actually using the product? We define that. We have a very specific metric for it. Thinking about what does usage look like about four weeks after signup? Can we get you know, a couple of different people in a company actively using the tool then? That tells us based on our data science insights, that user is much more likely to stay a customer. Mm -hmm. So I am someone on my team who works very, very closely with our core product team, as well as our education team on how do we activate those customers? How do we get them to actually add data into the tool? How do we get them to start using the tool also like a database? Airtable has a familiarity of a spreadsheet, which is great. I think that helps people feel comfortable with it, but the true power lies in the fact that it is a relational database. So a lot of our work is not only trying to convince somebody to switch tools and start using Airtable or go from not using a tool to using a tool. The other is then trying to teach them what a database is and how it works. So it's yeah. a, it's a big challenge. That kind of metric of success is that activation rate and, you know, how many customers of our signups are we actually activating? And then the third focus is on conversion and expansion. So we are a freemium product. So we've got a free 
product here. I think premium products are the future. The beauty is, is that often somebody's not ready to buy right away. If you have a premium product, you don't lose them. They just use your free, your free tier for a while. And those users are ripe for opportunity as they can continue to see value from the product to become uh, really valuable users for you. And so I just like, I love a freemium product. I'm always looking for it. But the, the third role is really focused on monetization. Now that is done either in trial conversion. So getting people at the end of their two week trials to convert and use those more kind of premium tools and features within the, the product. But it's also based on growing the self-serve users into sales assisted customers if they have that opportunity to do so. So for self-serve, Yes, we work with small teams that are never going to, you know, really interact with our sales and customer success teams because they're small. And we see um, and feel responsibility for them throughout their entire journey with Airtable. Part of that role is making sure that those users are continuing to get value and staying active in the product. But a lot of our huge uh, customers, as I said earlier, start in self-serve. So a big part of this person's job, this is the person I'm hiring. If anyone's looking for a job, I'd love to have you come help me with this, is growing those users who signed up in a self-serve fashion into heavy enough and active enough users that it warrants a sales conversation. Like I said earlier, a lot of people don't want to talk to sales at the get-go, but they need to eventually as their growth becomes more viral and more kind of spread throughout their organization. You need control over how people are using the the product, you need additional tools and you want a CSM's help to help new teams get up and running. What we try to do is grow those self-serve users to a point based on how many people are using the tool to the point that they'd be ready to talk to a sales team. And that's kind of how that you hear about the quote unquote flywheel all the time in mm. a, a self-serve business. That is the flywheel, turning a self-serve user into a sales assisted customer, seeding the use of uh, a tool on multiple different teams in a big company so that the sales team can come in and their conversation is less of, hey, this is what this tool is, you should use it. And much more, hey, this is how this tool is being used in your organization today. You know, IT or an admin, let's consolidate this. Let's give you more control over how it's used. So the, the metrics of success for that third area are obviously like just overall ARR, paid active seats, trial conversion rate, but then also what we call PQLs, product qualified leads, which is that mm -hmm. turning of a self-serve customer into a, a sales assisted or a sales ready domain. Super interesting. I, and I like, it's it's gotta be nice to have that mapped out clear goals and then individuals like mapped to those different parts of the funnel. But are you using, mm -hmm. like, is it still, am I using, you know, I think about product marketing, I think about positioning, narrative, mm -hmm communications, product launches, are you still, like, are those still your, are those your tools? Are you, are you doing yeah. product launches for instance, for instance, how do you think about that? Yeah, it's a great question. Yes, we are. So, you know, the, the thing that's interesting about self-serve is in a lot of ways, you're much closer to the product and you get to have a heavier hand in like strategy. So a lot of our work is on in-app messaging mm -hmm. on what the onboarding education looks like, et cetera. But Core parts of product marketing are definitely still there. The thing I like best about self-serve is you are just closer to the numbers than you are when you're in a sales assisted business and your metric of success is really around, you know, sales win rate, et cetera. Ours is based on like just tangible customer usage and payment. But the big initiatives my team is focused on, huge work on positioning, you know, especially for a product like Airtable, like 
How do you describe <laughs> it and to whom and, and what is that message to each of our segmented users? How, what segments are most important to us? What's what's your approach with that? So you mentioned it earlier and I wanted to talk to you about it and I am fascinated. Mm-hmm. Positioning your table, all right? Like how, how do you approach it? I heard anybody can do anything with it. There is this idea of educating people on a database, but have mm-hmm. you have you figured something out? Have you, what's the approach to try to sort this out? No, are you giving me a, how, how have you done on positioning tests, right? No, right no, live? because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's impossible. I am just, yeah. I mean, it, it's what a challenge, right? At least yeah. you don't have, and you, this is all on purpose too, because normally yeah. it's a bad idea to go and say like, hey, our product can do anything for anyone, but that's really the core value prop of uh, Airtable, right? It's like, it's this yeah. database that's like, so how, I mean, I don't know, how do you approach it? I just know. No tests, no wrong answers, but yeah. w- what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, how do we do this? It's a good. One of the things I did before uh, we hopped on this Zoom was starting to talk about a positioning sprint that we're going through right now. So this is very, very top of mind. I am going to start high and then move into tactical how we actually do this. One of the things that the CMO at Asana, who I worked for for a few years, said once that has stuck with me for a really long time is... The person who best describes the pain earns the right to solve it. And so a big part of positioning Airtable is getting really clear and crisp on what pain we're solving and who and how that pain manifests for different teams. There are so many collaborative softwares out on the market. Talking about productivity and working with teams only gets you so far. So with Airtable, what we've spent a lot of time on our positioning work is figuring out like what was that thing that made you really need Airtable over anything else? We see our differentiator as having a high ceiling, which that term after uh, a few months of hearing it both resonates with me and makes me totally crazy because it's so (laughs) nebulous. But basically the beauty of Airtable is the fact that you can customize it and it is incredibly powerful to work for your specific workflow. So when we think about how we position Airtable, we really want to lean into that and we want to be really like specific in the messaging there because we are looking for a very specific type of person to like land with. The first use of Airtable, we want to land with someone in an org that fits our kind of archetype of what we call a creator. We call these people creators because Airtable's long-term mission is to be a, a software creation platform where anyone can create their own software tools, regardless of whether or not they have you know, a, a technical background. So we call these people creators partly because it, it aligns with that mission and partly because that's what they do. They are willing to tinker and figure things out. They can go into this database and they have the creativity in their mind to say, I've got this workflow that usually is cobbled together in like couple different Google sheets and a doc and a standing meeting and some slacks and like me up late at night, figuring it out. And I'm going to figure out how to map that into this tool. And so our positioning work up until this point has been very focused at those creators. They can sit kind of anywhere in an org. They're often more operations minded. They can think about the end to end workflow better than someone who's, you know, kind of just focused on their piece of the pie. And then from there, a big part of our positioning work and an area that my team is really digging in on right now is trying to figure out okay, well, we land with a creator, but this tool only works if multiple people use it. So a lot of our work is figuring out, well, what does that value look like and feel like for a collaborator? Um, And what is the difference, right? Because we're talking to end users. So a big part of it is figuring out what this end user messaging looks like. And then from there, once we get that bottoms up messaging in place, we go in with the tops down messaging. 
what does it look like for a line of business leader to have an entire team using Airtable? They may not, as of right now, with our current feature stack, be using Airtable all that much in terms of building, but they're often consuming as the lead of a team to say, where is work at? You know, Airtable, we, we see it as a way to orchestrate work. That line of business leader wants to go in and see where things are at. And so it's kind of layering up that bottoms up and yeah. tops down message. So then the last part of it on, on messaging at Airtable is looking at it through a segmented lens. One of the biggest pieces of feedback when I've done user research and people are on our website is them just really struggling to grok what is this tool? Because it can be anything. When they see it through the lens of their use case, if you are a product manager and you see a product roadmap in Airtable, you're like, oh, got it. Or if you are a marketer and you see a content calendar, it all really clicks for you. And so we want to take that kind of horizontal message and filter it through a segmented lens and, and do so right now through functions. That's what's been most successful for us to help the benefits feel more tangible. Because if you're trying to hit everyone, your benefits get really squishy. But if you're more focused and on different segments, you can be more targeted in, in what that benefit looks like. 100%. Thanks for all the insights. It's really interesting yeah. to hear you unpack all of that. I mean, because it is <laughs> it is a lot. And I he, like the two, like, the things that resonate the most with me that I think are great are you describing there's some sort of internal workflow and it's like this person sends an email to this person, there's a stand up and whatever, you know, like that is what, mm-hmm. like we do that. My next question for you isn't on my list of questions. It's I'm being sneaky now, but it's, right. uh, I'm curious how, I'm curious how you as a product marketer use workflow or sorry, use Airtable at Airtable. And I'll tell you, this is what, this is what, this is how we used it at HubSpot was that mm-hmm. we had our like, change log, we call it the prod notify system. And it's like, you know, anytime there's updates in the product, there's like this Google doc that gets filled out by a PM and then that goes to a PMM and then it goes to a, like this email serve and then everybody mm-hmm. gets it super painful, not fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't understand. I never really knew that like there was an alternative. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even think that, you know, like, Hey, this probably, we can probably automate this because I'm not that mm-hmm. person. I'm not the ops person. Like I will build the, you know, the system to figure it out, but then it's amazing to have someone kind of automate it. Anyway, long story mm-hmm. short, we had a PM who came in and, and automated it with Airtable. And mm-hmm. now we have a much cleaner process and we have all of these things in a database and that's my use case. And it took me, you know, I see the, I see the tool through that. And then all of a sudden, aha, So that second part that I think is really interesting that you pointed out is that like, hey, you've got this technical tool that's confusing, but if you show it to the person through that lens, like, boom, it's really interesting. So love it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's a ton. Did you want me to answer the question about how we use Airtable? Yeah. So exactly. So um, very curious. What kind of product marketing stuff do you use Airtable for? Yeah, there are a few different uses for Airtable for my team. One thing that I think I actually really appreciate about Airtable is we don't expect every single individual piece of your work to be executed in Airtable. We don't see ourselves as like a task management tool. We really see ourselves as an orchestration tool where your key work needs to be in there. But like, we're not looking I, you know, I don't spend all day, every day managing a task list out of Airtable. Right. Don't I rebuild Jira. Don't, don't become no. Jira 2.0, please. please. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about Jira because my, I will, uh, I will say plenty of former, bad things about Jira. <laughs> or my RCMO, I spent years at Atlassian and Jira is an amazing software and Atlassian is. is an amazing company, but we are, are not interested in being Jira. And we're not also not interested in, you know, I worked at Asana for three and a half years. I think that Asana is, is an incredible product. Airtable is not trying to be that. Asana is really meant for you to execute every single piece of your work out of. 
Airtable is meant to kind of orchestrate work and orchestrate workflows. We are a workflow tool. And so, you know, I can give you a bunch of customer examples, but let's talk about how Airtable uses Airtable. I use it in a few different ways. We've got our product roadmap in Airtable. And by roadmap, I don't just mean like a pretty Gantt chart that you show to customers. I mean, every single thing that's shipping, what team it's shipping out of, who each of the contacts are across product engineering, design, product marketing. We call our customer facing team CE, customer enablement. And so we have those contacts. We have, you know, when people will be getting the feature if it's going into beta or a rollout or an A-B test, et cetera. Those things also then link out to the product spec, et cetera. And we are able to build, build scripts and use automations to automatically move things through as our product is actually getting uh, built and those things go out. And so it's not like a Google spreadsheet that is just has a list of everything that's shipping. It is like a living, breathing thing. And that is really, really key to kind of cross-functional coordination. So that's like my favorite cross-functional use case to talk about. In terms of marketing specific, we have what we call the marketing hub. It is everything that is happening on the marketing team in a given quarter. It is kind of all the key initiatives, how they ladder up to our kind of specific KRs, but also across each different marketing sub team, each piece of work that uh, goes into that. And then kind of where the status of each of those things are at. We've built our own, we've got a technical PMM who's done an awesome job building out scripts, et cetera, to really kind of automate some of that work and customize it for our needs. But that is a, a place that I use a fair amount as well as the other thing that it's really helpful for is storing customer insights. I think like one of the things that makes you a good product marketer is knowing your customer. But one thing that happens all the time is that customers tell you something and you like write it down or it's in a Google doc somewhere and it never lives again. We have databases of all of our NPS responses, but also all of our survey responses. And we ran an interesting, if you want to talk about positioning, we ran an interesting survey of our top 5% of customers based on usage and had them describe Airtable to us. Well, I have a database of all of those answers. And so that's something that I spend a lot of time looking at just in terms of kind of understanding what our positioning is and what our customers think and feel. So a ton of other uses, but those are some of the key ones of how I use Airtable. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I think it's always a good secret weapon when you use, when your whole company uses the product that you're you're selling, but also just fascinating to hear how you use it. And I think it's good. Like it's, it's, I don't know. I think more marketing teams need that sort of thing. So hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, it makes a lot of sense. It's nice to have someone who can build it, but before we run out of time, is there anything you want yeah. to share with, you mentioned it earlier, but you're hiring, right? Any, can you tell us a little bit more about that role? And if people want, if people are interested in it, how they can reach out to you? Yeah. I'm going to be a good coworker and talk about a few different roles, even though nice. I have one I really All right. need to fill. Um, the role that I am looking to fill is a senior product marketer. So this is a great role for someone who, you know, is looking to move quickly up in their career. This role could, could become a people management role over time very easily. It is focused on monetization, expansion, and retention. So you would be, really be looking at what is our pricing and packaging? You know, what is the value of each plan? How do we communicate that? As well as how do we convert people? How do we move them onto plans? And then how do we grow them into sales uh, ready opportunities? So that role is open. I am actively hiring. I will say that this is a role that I had. It was my last individual contributor role because before I started leading product marketing teams and probably most impactful to my career. So, you know, it's one person's opinion. I'm obviously very biased, but really cool. Sounds cool. It sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I hope it's interesting and 
you know, you get to work with me, which after hearing me talk for 30 minutes, you can decide if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> the other role, we are also hiring for a platform product marketer. We launched a kind of our platform initiatives in September of 2020. I encourage you to go look at it. A lot of interesting stuff there. We're looking for someone to really launch new kind of features and parts of our platform and grow adoption. You get to work with Al, who Marcus has talked about, is a really great guy and apparently makes great music videos. So uh, a few different product marketing roles open now and we're hiring across the board at Airtable, but those are two I really want to plug. Awesome. All right, Chrissy. Well, I learned a ton on this episode. So thank you for sharing so much about your process and just really digging into the weeds around like, you know, how positioning works and how self-service works. So thanks for making the time. I really, really appreciate it. Of course, this was super fun. Uh, thanks for having me. She want to drown in the city lights uh, But it's alright